0: Church, you guys sound good this morning. Seriously, it's encouraging to my heart when I hear your voices and we sing together. Uh, But uh, a few announcements before we dive Uh, in—one, really—we have baptisms next Sunday, and we are very excited about that. There is still time to sign up if you'd like to sign up and be baptized next Sunday. We encourage you to do that. We're looking forward to it. If you're not being baptized, still come back next week because it's going to be an awesome celebration and we can't wait for next Sunday. I get the honor of kicking off a brand new series this week, which the graphic's not up there, but that is a sweet graphic. That's a cool graphic. We're going to be walking through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John as a church. It's called the Trilogy. It's a sweet name and it's going to be fun. As a church, we believe that knowing God's Word is of the utmost importance, and we want to walk together through Scripture to be taught what is true, what is wrong, to be corrected when we need to be corrected, and to be prepared for every good work. And we believe that the Bible is God's Word to us, and so we take that seriously And we take it as authority and we submit to that authority, not because it comes from a human brain, from a human mouth on a stage built by humans, but it comes from an eternal mind of immeasurable wisdom, not given to us by an unseen or unknown entity, but by a God who has made himself known to us, desiring to be close to us, doing whatever it takes to get back the people that left him going so far as to sacrifice his own son for our sake, doing all these things and revealing himself to us so that we could know him and be known by him. And we get to know God as a church body, as a unit through reading his word and listening to his word. Our faith is strengthened by knowing and listening to God's word as his body together as a unit And so we take what the Bible says seriously and we let it teach us God's direction and purpose for our lives. We're going to walk step by step through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and see what God has for us and see God's direction and purpose for our lives in Christ. The book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John was written to a church body whose faith was very much under attack Lies and false beliefs were being spread throughout the church and threatening to compromise the truth, compromise God's word. Lies were being spread about who Jesus was, what he did. And so John wrote to set some boundaries to encourage believers to walk in the light while also giving them assurance of salvation in the gospel. And so we're gonna take seven weeks. We're gonna walk step-by-step step through this trilogy of books and learn to live from the foundation Of Jesus. And Jesus is the foundation of all things. Jesus, the Savior, God's own Son, is the focal point of everything that Scripture talks about. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. And then everything in the New Testament either tells the story of Jesus, points back to his life, death, and resurrection, or points forward to the day when he returns to make all things new. So turn to 1 John 1 with me. John has a provocative habit of emphasizing the deity of Jesus at the beginning of his writings, and while it's always necessary to know and understand that Jesus truly was both God and fully man, John has a very specific reason for describing Jesus this way in these first few verses. And the reason that John is so adamant about Jesus being both fully God and fully man is that there were people spreading lies to this church about who Jesus was and what Jesus was. A lie was being told that Jesus was simply a spirit, that he wasn't flesh and blood, but he was merely an apparition. And if that were true, then the death of Jesus would be meaningless because a spirit can't die. A spirit can't die at least in place of a human being a physical sacrifice is needed. And Jesus has to be both God and man in flesh and blood in order to take our place, in order to take the place of flesh and blood and pay the price for our sins. So John hears that this lie is making its way around the church. And so he writes a letter to these people and gives his testimony of the physical person Jesus. Listen to how he starts his letter, 1 John 1, verse 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, to whom we have whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our hands. He is the word of life. John is basically saying, I saw this guy, I heard this guy, and I rubbed shoulders with this guy. I did life with this guy. I know this guy. John witnessed Jesus firsthand. That makes it very difficult to disprove his message. And what makes it even more difficult to disprove John's message is that his story of Jesus matches all the other stories of Jesus. All of the other people who walked with Jesus. John was just one of many eyewitnesses who saw, heard, walked, and rubbed shoulders with Jesus. With flesh and blood. John confirms the physicality of Jesus and he points to his deity by describing him as he who was from the beginning. Pointing to Genesis 1.1 and he calls Jesus the word of life. And he continues his description of Jesus in verses two through five. Read this with me. The one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy." And stop there. John's purpose for writing these things is twofold. First, it's to prove the humanity of Jesus, that he was flesh and blood, that he was fully man and fully God that John saw, heard, and touched the living word of God. And second, then to set up the rest of his letter. Everything that John is about to say is based off this fact. Not John's authority, it's based on Jesus's authority. John knows that Jesus is the foundation of all things. And so John makes Jesus the foundation of his letter meaning everything that comes after is based off Jesus's authority. Everything else that John has to say is going to be read through this lens that Jesus is the foundation, Jesus is the authority. And so John, with Jesus as his foundation, gets into the meat of 1 John 1. Let's read verses five through 10 together. This is the message that we have heard from Jesus himself, and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying. If we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, we are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Verse five says, God is light. And the Bible oftentimes describes God as light. And while I think there's a very good chance that God might be a source of visible light, I think John is trying to get to something deeper and he gets there in verse six. So he says, God is light. And then verse six says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. So when scripture says God is light, it's saying that he is perfect. In him, there is no spiritual darkness at all. Therefore, if we are living in spiritual darkness and we are not practicing the truth, then we have no fellowship with God. If we're living in spiritual darkness, how can we walk with him who is the light? Darkness cannot exist where there is light. Spiritual darkness cannot exist in the same place as spiritual light. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we're walking in the darkness. But how do we know if we're actually walking in the light or if we're walking in the darkness? There's no spiritual gray area. So how do we identify whether we're walking in the darkness or whether we're walking in the light? And John tells us in three different ways. John tells us how to walk in the light in three different ways. He says, number one, practice the truth. Practice the truth. Number two, know the truth about your sin. And number three, confess sin. Practice truth, know the truth about your sin and confess sin. Number one, practice truth. Verse five through seven says, this is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of his son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. To walk in the light as he is in the light, we must practice truth. Practicing implies that you're already on the team. Practicing implies that you're not just a fan sitting up in the stands, but that you're actually gonna be on the field participating in the game. This makes practice purposeful. It's no longer pickup basketball that happens twice a year. You don't, just, you don't, you don't practice for pickup games. You might play every once in a while or shoot around after your kid's basketball game, but you're not being coached. You're not being drilled. You're shooting with a purpose. Practice is purposeful. And and practice implies effort. Practice implies that you're putting sweat into it. It implies that you're working to get better for the sake of the team. And as followers of Jesus, practicing the truth implies that we know the truth that we know that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. Now we we don't practice to earn God's love. We don't practice to earn the blood of Jesus. That's already been paid for. It's the blood of Jesus, the life, death, resurrection, the gospel, that is what motivates us to practice. That should be exciting that we get to play for that team. That's our motivation. The gospel is our motivation to live like Jesus. He gave everything for us. And so in practicing the truth, we give everything back. Practicing the truth means knowing the truth and working out your faith, exercising your faith, living in the light. If God is in the light, if he's the embodiment of spiritual life, light and we want to walk in the light as he is in the light, then I myself can't practice my way into the light. There's darkness in me. I hate to admit it, but my heart and my mind are dark. I walk in spiritual darkness by myself. I can't get to the light on my own. I have to have Jesus. Walking in the light means that we know the truth about our sins, because of Jesus who cleanses us from all sin, I can put my sin and my darkness on the cross on Jesus and be cleansed of my sin, leaving myself behind, leaving my sin behind, and then I can truly practice the truth and walk in the light because I know the truth about my sin. Jesus or John goes on in verse 8 and says this, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And this is a little paradoxical because if verse eight is true, then the inverse is also true. And the inverse of verse eight would be, if we claim that we do in fact have sin, then we are truthing ourselves and living in the truth. If we know we have sin, then we're living in the truth. That doesn't make sense. But John is saying that we all have sin. We all, unfortunately, have sin. We're all sinners. And Paul says in Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each person is born with a sin nature that even though we try to be good and we try to do nice things, there are times when we do bad things. And the sin that we have in our lives is spiritual darkness. It's what separates us from from God. It's what separates us from the light. And unless we have somewhere to put that sin, and unless we have something to do with it, then we can't live in the light. But Jesus made it possible for us to give our sins to Him so that we can walk in the light. Jesus says in John's Gospel, in John chapter 10, I am the gate for the sheep. Those who come in through me will be saved. I tell you the truth anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief or a robber. The truth about your sin, the truth about my sin, is that if we go through the gate of Jesus to walk in the light, and let him cleanse us from our sins, then your sin no longer defines you, no longer separates you from God, no longer keeps you in the darkness, but you can walk in the light. Your sin isn't attached to you anymore and therefore it isn't your burden to carry. We all have sin, but if we give that sin to Jesus and let him cleanse us and we tell the truth about our sin, that it doesn't define us, and we give it to Jesus, then we walk in the light. Verse eight through 10 says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. John's final command in how to walk in the light is to confess sin. Walking in the light isn't a one-time deal. That's why it takes practice. That's why it takes reminding ourselves of the truth of our sin. That's why we confess sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're just making a fool out of ourselves, especially if we know the truth about our sin. But if we know the truth about our sin, that it doesn't define who we are, if we're in Jesus, then when we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us. We don't remain in the darkness of our sin. We confess and God is faithful and just to forgive us. Why? Because when we walk in the light, we've given our lives to Jesus, we've truly left our sin at the gate with Jesus, then when we sin, God no longer sees us. God sees Jesus because Jesus covers us and Jesus now has our sin. Jesus took our place and paid the price for our sin. He died and he took our sins to the grave and then he left them there. And he resurrected to new life. And he wants to share that new life with us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to be close to us. God wants us to walk in the light with him. But if we're walking in the light and we sin, as we know we will because we have sin, and then we keep that sin to ourselves and we play ignorant of that sin. Are we we walking in the light? Or are we clinging to the darkness? I'm not. I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about practicing sin, not practicing the truth. If we ignore that sin, if we if we if we say I've not sinned, then we're actually calling God a liar, and we're proving that the truth is not in us. There's going to be times when we're living in the light and we mess up. It's inevitable. Until Jesus comes again, sin's gonna be part of our lives. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And the crazy thing, that forgiveness is always readily available. Jesus already paid for your sins 2,000 years ago. That forgiveness is always there. We just have to accept it. We just have to lay down our pride, lay down our burdens, lay down all that we are and let Jesus take those from you and enter through the gate and to walk in the light. As we wrap up 1 John 1, I don't want to rush past a part of this passage that we haven't been able to talk about yet. Look at verse seven with me. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. When we walk in the light, when we practice truth, when we know the truth about our sin, when we confess our sin, when we walk in the light as God is in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There is freedom in Jesus. This is the pinnacle of everything that the Bible talks about, that God is light and you can walk with him because of his son, Jesus. But God doesn't stop there. When you walk in the darkness, you can't see where you're going. Even if you're close to people, you don't don't know it. You're by yourself, you're isolated. But when you walk in the light, you don't walk alone. Alone. God is there and you can see him. And that is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. But God doesn't stop there. He gives us another gift. He gives us fellowship with other believers. He gives us a body to be united to and people to walk with in the light. But if you are living in the light, as God is in the light, then you have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have so many ways to get connected at this church. It's kind of comical. So I encourage you, if you feel like you're walking alone, you don't have to. We want to walk with you as a church. We want to walk in the light as God is in the light. Get involved somewhere, get to know people. We want to get to know you. We want to walk in the light with you. Practice truth. Walk in the light. And let's walk together. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to walk in the light. Lord, we can only walk in the darkness on our own, but because of your son, Jesus, we can walk in the light. Lord, I pray that we Learn to practice the truth. That we learn the truth about our sin, Lord, and that we confess it to you, Lord. You're faithful and you're just and you will forgive us, Lord. Lord, this is all possible because of your Son, Jesus. We are so grateful for his life, his death, his resurrection, that he walked with us in flesh and blood, and that he gave his life for ours. God, we love you, and we are so thankful for the gift of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.